Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today I want to minister to you on the power and the value of an illuminated mind. The power and the value of an illuminated mind. You may ask a question, what is an illuminated mind? An illuminated mind is one that is enlightened by the Spirit of God as he reveals to us the Word of God. It is a mind that understands and knows God. It is a mind that walks with God because it has gone through the process of renewal and restoration. In simple terms, the Bible speaks of the mind of the spirit and the mind of the flesh. An illuminated mind is a spiritual mind. When you have the mind of the spirit, all things become possible to you. You cannot remain the same once your mind is illuminated. I believe, and it is my personal conviction, that this is the greatest and the most urgent need of the church today. This one thing is the greatest need, the most urgent need of the church in our day, to have a mind that is baptized and immersed into the knowledge of God. There's nothing more precious, there is nothing more wonderful than to obtain and to walk in the mind of God. Now, Paul the Apostle prays for the church in Ephesus to obtain such a mind. He didn't pray for anything else. He just prayed for this one thing, and it's recorded in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through to 21. You have your Bibles? You can turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through to 21. He prays with fervency that the believers in Ephesus may receive, he says, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. He goes on, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. There is a particular phrase I want you to pay attention as I am going through the message God has given me to bring you today. And that phrase is the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Do you know that your mind has eyes just like your body has eyes? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened and that's my prayer for you this morning. Another translation says, I pray that God will open your minds to see his truth. Why? Because the mind is the gateway to your heart. If your mind is closed, it will never get down into your spirit. And that's why Paul says, I pray that God will open your minds to see truth. Because when you see truth, you are set free. Another translation says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light. I like that translation. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light. You see here, the Apostle Paul is highlighting in this passage the importance of having our minds illuminated concerning God's calling, God's inheritance in us, and the greatness of his power to us world who believe. Again, Paul writing to the church in Colossae, he says to them in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. He was praying constantly this prayer. What was he praying? I ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He's asking to give these believers what is really important, 
what is really necessary for the growth, for the development, and what is really valuable in the relationship with the Lord. Many believers who are born of the Spirit, they have the Holy Spirit in the hearts, but they have the devil in the minds. Don't be shocked with what I'm saying. I'll explain. Why do I say that? Because they think like him. It's not enough for you to be born again. Thank God that when you die, you'll go to heaven, even with a mind that is unrenewed. You've got to have your mind in agreement with God's word as well, not just your heart and your spirit. And that's why I say, Many have the Holy Spirit in the hearts, but the devil in their mind because they think like him and they believe his thoughts. Let me explain. If you have a mind that is dominated by fear and anxiety, then you have a mind that is dominated by the devil. Did you hear that? If you have a mind that is dominated by doubt and unbelief, then you have a mind that is dominated by the devil. If you have a mind that is dominated by anger, by self-pity, by unforgiveness, then you have a mind that is dominated by the devil. Would you say amen to that? I don't think I need to go on. You get my point. You see... The thinking is all wrong. And unless you straighten up your thinking, your believing will never be any higher than your thinking. We have to correct our thoughts before we get to the place where our faith rises to another level. Amen? This is the reason... We need to obtain an illuminated mind that thinks the thoughts of God and walks in the ways of God. This is your greatest need. You don't need more power. You don't need more money. You don't need a new job. You don't need a new husband. You don't need anything else but this one thing. A mind that's illuminated by the Spirit of God that learns to think like God thinks and walks with God. The Bible says, can two walk together unless they agree? Amen. I've noticed you sang a song here this morning. What would I do if you have left me? Why would you sing a song like that? When God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is his word. That is his promise. You should never sing, what would I do if you leave me? That should not even enter your mind. God will never, ever, ever leave you. That is his promise. And I'm telling you right now, most of the songs we sing in church, 
is embalmed with unbelief and doubt. We need this, this mind to be fully immersed and baptized into the word of God, into the knowledge of God. So that we can see what God sees. We can hear what God wants us to hear. And we can walk in the ways of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. You see, once you see this principle that I'm sharing with you today, you will pursue the Lord and you will seek his face for the right reasons and with the right motives that originate from a pure heart and a single mind that loves God with all his heart. Once you see this principle. Young Solomon understood this principle so well. You know the story of Solomon. He ascended to the throne as a very, very young man, just a boy. And one night, God appeared to him in a dream, and he asked him, I will give you Solomon. Did I not say Solomon? I will give you whatever you ask. What would you have asked if God appeared to you in a dream and says, ask whatever you will uh, and I will give it to you. I guarantee you, most of us would ask, Lord, I want a new car. I want a new job. I want a new house. But Solomon was wise even at a young age. The Bible says that Solomon loved God. And he asked for this one thing. Give your servant an understanding heart. Give me wisdom. Give me discernment that I may know how to govern the people you have made me a king over. You see, he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about others. He was wise. And you know what God said to him? Because you didn't ask riches, honor, or the life of your enemies. I will give you wisdom. I will give you an understanding heart. And I'm going to give you everything else you didn't ask for. You see, a renewed mind, a mind that is of the spirit, acts like a magnet that attracts the blessing of the Lord. You just walk around seeking God, loving God, serving God, and you see that everything you need just runs to find you. You don't have to strive. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to cry. You don't even have to fast. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added to you without the sweat without the stress, without the worry, without the anxiety, and without the sweat. That's the secret, folks. Many are seeking the Lord today, but they seek Him for the wrong reasons. And they are praying with selfish 
motives. I want you to hear me and hear me well. Because the Lord wants to demolish some of the strongholds that have kept you, restricted, limited you. I'm going to say that again. Many are seeking the Lord, the Lord today, but they seek him for the wrong reasons and with the selfish motives. Do you remember what James says in chapter 1 or chapter 4? You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You ask with wrong motives so that you can spend it on your own desires. And you're not going to receive answers to that kind of prayer. If the motive inside is wrong, God will not answer that prayer. So we have to correct our way of thinking and our way of praying. Are you listening to me? Praise God. You see, the reason for that, why do we ask amiss? Why do we ask wrongly? It's because we lack the knowledge of God. We don't have the true knowledge of God. And that's why in ignorance we are asking with a wrong motive. You know, there's a lot of people like that in the church today. A lot of them. All over the churches. Filled with people who are selfish and self-centered. They see God as this great benefactor who exists only for the benefit. Like Father Christmas, you know. What are you going to give me today? Give me, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Or we treat God like a vending machine. You know what a vending machine is? You put a coin in and something comes out. Wrong thinking. Are you listening to me? God does not exist for our pleasure. Amen. We exist for his pleasure. Praise God. Now, this kind of thinking seems to dominate a great number of churchgoers today. These are the people who seek God for the blessing. Amen? And not because they love him and they want to serve him. I trust you're not one of those. That you don't seek God for the blessing. Yet you seek him because you love him. Because you love his presence. Because you want to walk with him. And you want to extend the influence of his kingdom. Because you care for people. And you want God to bless you so you can be a greater blessing. Amen. You see, these believers do not understand how the kingdom of God works because the minds have not been illuminated. And as a result of that, they have a very weak foundation. Their faith is very shallow. When pressure comes, they crumble and they fall because the foundation is all wrong. You see, we need a very strong foundation. Jesus, if you remember, he rebuked in John chapter 6 
those who sought him and followed him with such an attitude. He said to them, you seek me because I gave you bread to eat. Did you read that in your Bible? That's why you run after me, because your stomach is full, because I gave you bread and I gave you fish. But listen to what he said to them. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. These folks were hungry for bread, not for the word of God. They were not hungry for wisdom. They were not hungry for knowledge. They were not hungry for the word of God. They were just hungry for material things. Things that perish with the use. The lowest form of blessing in the kingdom is material blessings. That's the lowest form. The highest form of blessing is spiritual. Amen? So, that's why when you have a weak foundation, when pressure comes, you grow weary. You get tired. You get offended so easily. And then you end up walking away when the tough times come. That's why many who followed the Lord fell by the wayside. They had a very weak foundation. They sought him for the blessing and not because they wanted to become disciples. The ministry exists to make disciples, not just converts. The ministry exists and functions to disciple you, to train you, to become a representative of the kingdom of God and to behave like an ambassador of Christ in this life. Amen? Praise God. You're with me so far? Now, if you are that kind of a person who seeks God only for material things and you you follow him or you pray just so that your needs can be met and not because you love him or desire his presence, the Lord wants to change your approach today. Amen? He wants to change the way you think. He wants to change your attitude towards him. Amen? He wants to change the way you think about God, about yourself, and the way you understand his kingdom. Amen? Are you ready for a change? That's what repentance, the Bible calls that repentance. So I'm here today to preach primarily repentance. Repentance means a change of mind. You change the way you think. And when you change the way you think, you will change the way you behave. But before you change your behavior, you have to change your thoughts. That's where it begins. 
not in the behavior, in the thinking. That's why repentance is such a beautiful word, because it brings a change of attitude by bringing a change of mind and the way you think about God, about others, about yourself, and about the ways of the kingdom of God. Jesus preached the gospel beginning with this message. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God has arrived. You cannot enter the kingdom unless you repent. You change the way you think. Amen? Not only you change your behavior, but you change the things you value in life. The things you used to value, you don't value them there anymore. You valued material things, you valued money, you valued riches, you pursued that, you valued the blessing. You don't value that anymore. You value the word of God. You value God. You value obedience. You value discipleship. And you give yourself to that. So you see, it's not just a change of mind and a change of attitude, but it's a change of the value system. You change the things you value. And you begin to think with an eternal perspective. Not with a temporary one. Amen? Praise God. God, if that is you, and you have been seeking God for what he can give you, he wants you to step away from that wrong thinking. Move away from it completely. And embrace a whole new mindset which will set you free from striving, from laboring, from sweating, from being anxious and afraid. And trying to get your hands on some blessing. God wants to give them to you. Because he said, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. That's for the disciple. That's for the one who embraced the cross, died to self, and seeks the kingdom of God. He says, I've given you, to those, I've given you the kingdom. Amen? What a, what a statement Jesus made. God desires to illuminate your mind and the eyes of your understanding in such a way so that you can know and understand God and his kingdom in a brand new way. That's what God desires to do. But remember, this is not an instantaneous thing. It's a process. You go through a process. Once your mind is illuminated with the light of God, by the revelation of the word through the spirit, all the things that you need in this life, Jesus said, will be given to you and even more. Will be given to you and even more. Without your striving. Without your sweating. Yes, work, but not sweat. There's a difference. Amen? Jesus said it this way. If you seek first the kingdom, 
do what is right in my side, all these things. What things was he referring to? The clothing, the food, the, the transport, whatever you need to live in this life will be added to you. Amen. Not taken away, added to you. The key though is the illumination of our minds. I'm repeating myself because I want you to get it. This is something worth pursuing God for. Spiritual development and maturity depends on how much light and how much truth we receive from God's Word. You want to grow spiritually, you cannot grow without revelation. I don't care how many times you fast, you pray, you come to church, you hear sermons. Spiritual growth and development comes only by the revelation of the Spirit. Depends how much light and how much truth you receive from the Word of God. That's true. When the Spirit illuminates our minds with truth in any given area of your life, in that area that you receive light, the blessing flows without effort. The blessing just flows without effort and without striving. Any area that your mind has not been illuminated, be it financial, be it spiritual, be it physical, be it relational, in your marriage, in your place of work, any area that you do not or do not have light from God's word, in that area, you will experience continuously defeat and disappointment. Are you with me? Praise God. You see, without this illumination of the Spirit, our minds continue to dwell in darkness. Your spirit is saved, but your mind is not saved yet until you renew it. God doesn't save your mind. God saves you, your spirit man. But your mind is untouched when you get born again. That's why Paul writes and he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Who does the renewing of your mind? As you study the word, as you meditate in the word, the spirit comes and gives you light and truth and changes the way you think about everything. So any area of your mind that is not yet renewed remains ignorant remains in darkness, and the devil has access where the mind is not renewed. Amen. It's like an open door that he can come in and out and destroy and steal because that area of your mind has not been illuminated by God's Word and the Spirit. 
That is why it is so important. The moment a person gets born again, he must go and submit to discipleship. Through the word, through mentors, any way possible to renew his mind. Amen. And shut the devil out. Are you listening to me? Praise God. And you see, the darkened area of our minds will continue to hold us back and in reality imprison us to our past failures and to the limitations of the old man. Yes. How many people are still bound by what happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and they're still in pain? There's nothing more worse, my brother, my sister, than a damaged soul. It's a horrifying living and experience if you, <coughs> excuse me, if your soul is not renewed, is not restored, if your mind is not renewed, it will pull you down all the time. You take one step forward and you go back to. You take one step forward and the unrenewed mind will pull you down and will pull you back and imprison you. In prison of fear, of prejudice. That's why the mind must be immersed into the light of God's truth. The psalmist said, the entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. I call the simple stupid. <laughs> it gives knowledge, light, and truth. The entrance of God's word. Now you understand why the Apostle Paul prayed earnestly for the church that the eyes of their understanding may be enlightened so they may know, so they may experience. That word know is a very intimate word. It's not head knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. That's what it means in the Greek, to know and to taste the goodness of the Lord when the eyes of our understanding are enlightened. So any area of our lives, whether it's spiritually speaking, Financially, many people are in darkness in regard to what God says about financial management. They're ignorant. They may hear the word, but the light of God has not shone in them concerning that truth. Whether it's relational, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, when it comes to your physical body, any area in which the mind is not renewed through the spirit, we will continue to experience failure. No matter how you pray, no matter how much you fast, nothing will change until this changes. Are you listening to me? The Apostle John, 
understood this so well when he wrote to beloved Gaius. Third John, he says to him in third John chapter one, verse two, beloved, I wish above all things that you mayest prosper and be in health. It doesn't stop there. Even as, even as thy soul prospers. Did you notice that? It's condition here for prosperity. The apostle John, remember, he was not a novice. He was not a young believer when he wrote this. He was someone who walked closely with the Lord. And by the time he wrote this letter, he was an experienced apostle and understood the will and the mind of God. And he tells us, listen carefully, all true prosperity, which includes spiritual, emotional, physical, relational, financial, is all dependent upon the prosperity of our soul. When the soul prospers, every area of our life prospers. You see, our soul is made up of three things, our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's your soul. That's why we have so much trouble in the churches today. So many problems. You know why? The soul has not been restored. The problem is always in the soul area, not in the spirit. All things have become new in your spirit, the Bible says. You don't need to dig deep inside there. Everything is of God in your spirit. But the soul is the one that needs healing and restoration. Very important. Very important. And I say this. You can pray all you want. You can fast all you want. You can shout. You can cry. Nothing will happen until your soul prospers. Priority. The soul, listen carefully, the soul prospers when the spirit breathes upon it with knowledge. The soul prospers when the spirit breathes upon it with revelation, illuminating it with truth and light from the written word of God. That's when the soul prospers. Notice what Psalm 23 says from verse 1 to 3. Listen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. How does he restore your soul? He tells us, he says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. That speaks, that's an allegory of the word of God. Amen. He feeds me with the word because he's my shepherd. 
He makes me lie down in still waters. What does the waters represent? The spirit of the living God. He uses the word and the spirit working together and restores my soul. And then he says, then he leads me in the paths of righteousness. You cannot walk in the paths of righteousness unless your soul is restored. But it takes the word and it takes the spirit. How much do you love the word of God? Do you go without food just to attend to the word of God? Amen. I think today most church goers have lost sight of the power and the value of the word of the living God. I'm fully convinced. And we need to rediscover the power that is in the gospel, in the word of God. Because that's what restores our soul. Something that no man can do. And we have Christians today sitting for hours on the couch speaking to psychiatrists, psychologists. They're paying so much money to help them heal the soul. When the Bible says, receive my word, attend to my word, do not let my word depart from your eyes. Keep my words in the midst of your heart, for they are life and health to all the flesh. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the one who restores our soul, and he uses the word and the spirit. When the word of God is applied to our minds through the spirit, the mind is restored or renewed. And when the mind is renewed, it begins to affect your will and your emotions. You see? James, the apostle James, said exactly the same thing. This verse used to puzzle me. I couldn't understand it. Listen to what he says. Therefore lay aside, James chapter 1 verse 21, lay aside all filthiness, an overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. When I, when I read it as a young believer, I said, you mean I'm not saved? But I am saved. I'm born again. We say so many souls were saved. No, no. They accepted Christ. They repented they received salvation in the spirits, not in the souls. That's what he's talking about. He says the implanted word, in other words, the word of God is able to save or restore or heal our souls when we receive that word with meekness and humility. Do you see it? Do you see how important the ministry of the word and the ministry of the spirit is? The word save in the Greek also means to restore, to heal, or renew, or deliver. It means all those things. 
So, therefore, the most valuable things to receive from the Lord, hear me, are not material things. Forget about material things. Stop running around begging people to give you a job. Start your own company when the mind is renewed. Yes. Create your own employment. When your mind is renewed, you begin to see what God has put inside of you. And you begin to exercise it and use it. Your gift will make way for you. And God has put so much in you. Through his spirit, through his word. It's time we wake up. But we're not going to wake up until this is renewed. Amen. Therefore, the most valuable things to receive from the Lord is revelation knowledge. Every day, ask the Lord to bless you with wisdom and revelation knowledge. Every single day. Pursue Him for that. Seek after that. Lord, I want to know You. I want to know You more intimately than I've ever known You. I want to love You more than I've ever loved You. I seek your wisdom. Give me discernment. Give me understanding. Give me wisdom. Forget about asking him for natural things. They will be added to you. The wisdom of God, the Bible says, in its right hand, there is length of days. And in its left hand, there is riches and honor. Get the wisdom. Get revelation knowledge. If we seek the Lord for these precious, precious, valuable things, we will be the most prosperous people on the face of the earth. Amen. The word of God guarantees us that. And the people around us will see the glory of the Lord upon us. And they will be attracted to him. They will ask you, what is the secret about you? And then you can tell them, Jesus is my secret. Yes. I seek Jesus. My brother, many years ago, he came to me and he said, he didn't know the Lord then. He said, I don't understand you. Here I am working 17, 18 hours a day, standing on my feet, working for, for other people. My feet, he pulled up his pants and he showed me his varicose veins from standing 17, 18 hours. I have nothing to show for myself. And here you are, you never sweated in your life. I work, but he said, it seems so, you never really worked hard. Why is it? And I was able to tell him the secret. I seek Jesus. I don't seek the blessing. I seek the kingdom of God first. 
not what is beneficial for me or for my children or for my wife or for anybody else. I seek the will and the kingdom of God first. And because I pursue that, God has blessed me with favor. And God has blessed me with abundance. He gave them all to me. I didn't seek them. But he blessed me with them. Amen. Amen. And you know, God is no respecter of persons. He will do the same for you or for anyone who applies his word. Who seeks God for who he is and not for what he can do for you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Some people only call you when they want something from you. You had that experience? <laughs> when you know they call, I wonder what they're going to ask this time. Rarely anybody calls you to see, how are you doing? How are you? What's going on with you? Are you okay? Anything I can do for you? Anybody called you lately asking you that question? <laughs> Anybody? You be that person who calls another person and says, how are you today? I want to pray for you. Do you have any needs? You know, take yourself off of your mind and put it on somebody else. That's where the blessed life is. Amen. Praise God. When the Spirit is at work in your life, He will reveal things to you. And He will show you the ways of God. He will give you divine secrets. And show you how to use the keys of the kingdom of God to open any door. Would you like that? Yeah. He'll give you the right key for the right door. You will learn how to bind the works of darkness. And you will be able to loose the power of God on your behalf and the behalf of your family and on the behalf of others. Because you obtained revelation knowledge. While in prayer for you, as I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to share with your people today. This is what he showed me. He showed me that there are strongholds of wrong thinking and wrong perceptions that have held you back from going forward in your faith. You want to write this down? Write it down and pray and ask the Lord to show you what those strongholds are. These wrong patterns of thinking, listen carefully, have created in you false perceptions. What is a false perception? A false perception is when you perceive something as truth to you, but it's not, it's a lie. Something happened with my eyes about a couple of months ago. And because of what happened, my perception, my sight perception 
has gone all wrong. And I would look and I, I would see the step here, but the step was not there. It was two feet below that. I fell twice down the stairs because I perceived wrong. That's what happens in the spirit. Wrong thoughts create perceptions as reality, but it's not. It's a lie. Listen carefully. These perceptions have restricted you from entering your promised land and imprisoned you in a life of lack and poverty. Listen carefully. I'm not here to embarrass you or humiliate you. I'm here to help you. These perceptions made you think that you are a victim. You think like a victim. You act like you are a victim instead of thinking like a victor in Christ Jesus. Listen carefully. This thought that you are inferior than others is poison to your system. You're just as good, you're just as efficient, you're just as gifted as anybody else. But the wrong things you have believed have made you think like a victim. You're not a victim. You've got to cast this off of your mind. And you've got to say to yourself every single day, I'm not a victim. I am a victor in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I am. I am in Christ and because I'm in Christ, I am a conqueror and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Now, they made you also think like you are not as good as others. And because you believe this false, you have been restricted. Thought patterns, now listen carefully. You inherited from your culture, from your natural heritage, your upbringing, thought patterns, ways of thinking. Listen carefully. That you may have inherited from your own culture. You know what a culture is. From your upbringing, things that have been spoken to you, lies, and you believe them, have kept you bound because you believed the lies they told you. When I entered the ministry as a young believer, I was confronted with things in my culture and my Greek heritage which restricted my ministry terribly. 
They limited my scope of reaching people outside of my culture. If I had not been delivered from those strongholds that I received from my culture and heritage, I would not be here today. I would not have fellowship or association with your pastor or his family. There were strongholds, false perceptions. I believed this perception, even though I was born again, filled with the Spirit, that the Orthodox Church was the only church and no other true believer existed out of that denomination. I mean, how wrong can you be? How blind? But I thank God that he had mercy on me. And he set me free from those perceptions. But for a long time, they restricted me from stepping outside of my culture. I would only associate people with my culture and my heritage and my nationality. If there were a hundred people in the room and one Greek person, I would make a beeline and go to that Greek person, ignore the other 99. Pastors would invite me to go preach in the congregations and I turned them down. I would say to them, I am called to the Greek people. Do you see what strongholds can do to you? They weaken you, they restrict you, and they keep you in bondage. But when my mind received revelation through the Spirit, I broke free from those restrictions. I embrace now all nations. I go wherever the Spirit leads me, regardless of their nationality, the culture, the heritage. I have been set free. And I've reached many people outside of my heritage. You see, God was not the one restricting me. I was restricting me because of the way I thought. A perfect example of this, of what I'm teaching you today, is the testimony of Gideon. How many of you have read the story of Gideon? Do you know when anybody here don't know the story of Gideon? When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon to give him a divine assignment from God, Gideon was hiding in a cave because he was terrified of the Midianites. Fear kept him in the cave. Past experiences and failures kept him in the cave. So the angel of the Lord came. You know what? He saw himself as a victim. And he blamed God for his troubles and the troubles of his nation. You see, that's what a victim does. Either you blame God or you blame somebody else for where you are. It's their fault. Not mine, it's your fault. And we do a lot in this country. 
Listen to the response Gideon gave to the angel. When the angel came from heaven with a message, with a divine assignment saying to him, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. That's what he told him. <laughs> Listen to what Gideon said. And he said, the angel not only said, you're a mighty man of valor, but he said, the Lord is with you. Listen to, listen to Gideon. This is how a victim mentality thinks. Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Did you hear that? Maybe your thoughts are the same this morning, like Gideon's. If the Lord is with me, why am I in a perpetual conflict? You ever ask that question? If the Lord is with me, why am I still broke? You're saying I'm with you, but look at my situation. Why am I still without a job, without an income? Why am I still sick if the Lord is with me? He's talking to the angel now. And he's asking him all these questions. Why this? Why that? Why this? Maybe he had a legitimate right because all he experienced was defeat and failure. Notice that God does not answer his questions. <laughs> he just completely ignores all his questions. It's not worth answering them. Why? Because he doesn't put any value on those questions. He completely ignores him and he says to him, Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I'm here now. I'm with you. I'm sending you. I'm commissioning you. Stop thinking this way. Stop asking me those questions. Get up out of the cave and go and do what I told you to do. That's what we need to do sometimes. And not allow this self-pity, oh poor old me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. Oh, the pastor didn't greet me, but he greeted that one. And whine, 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 and whine. God doesn't even pay attention to that. So you better stop it. Amen. Listen, Gideon is still doubting. And he continues to be dominated by thoughts of inferiority and false humility. Some people are very good at false humility. Listen to what he said to the angel. Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. As though God didn't know that. <laughs> He is telling the angel of the Lord, 
where he's coming from, which family he is, and he's the weakest and he's the poorest. Inferiority complex. The Lord just ignores again his statements and he says to him, Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter whether you're educated or uneducated. None of those things matter, only this. If the Lord is with you, who can be against you? Yes. If God says, I am with you, that settles it. It doesn't matter about your culture, your heritage, where your family is or your heritage, your natural heritage is, whether you're educated or uneducated or rich or poor. God says, I will be with you. That's all it matters. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And as long as the Lord is with me, I will overcome. I will succeed. I will do what is not possible through the grace of God. Amen. So, remember that repentance is a change of mind. Changing the way you think. I'm no longer a victim. I'm no longer an inferior to others. God has equipped me with everything I need to succeed. And you need to come to the place where by an act of your decision, you renounce all wrong thinking. And you embrace the mind of Christ as revealed through the word. Amen? Amen. Now, ask the Lord to show you these wrong and wicked thoughts. They are wicked. Why? Because they don't agree with the truth of God's word. David prayed in Psalm 139. Make this your prayer. And he asked God to examine his thoughts. You ever read that in the book of Psalms? What a beautiful prayer. We need to do the same. Listen to what he he prayed, Psalm 139, 23, 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You pray that prayer from your heart and you mean it. This is what's going to happen. The Lord will start moving on your behalf and begin to shed light and will expose those wrong patterns of thinking. And when the light comes, deliverance comes. When the light comes, freedom comes. When the light comes, the darkness flees. When the light comes, poverty leaves. When the light comes, failure leaves. When the light comes, inferiority leaves. When the light comes, fear goes away. Darkness cannot stand the light. 
And the psalmist said, in your light, O God, we shall see light. When God turns the light on you, you will see. And when you see, you will walk away from all those wrong patterns of thinking. Amen. The Bible says, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. A widow went up to the prophet Elijah, and she said to him, my husband died. He was very unwise. He left me a huge debt. And now the debtors are coming, and they want to take my sons and sell them to pay the debt. So the prophet looks at her and says, well, why you come to me? What can I do for you? What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? She said, I have nothing. And then she remembered, I have a little jar of oil. And the prophet said, that's good enough. Go and borrow empty vessels. Not a few from your neighbors, but many. You know how that sounds to the mind of the flesh? Foolishness. What is wrong with this man? Here I come, and I traveled so far to come to this man of God, anointed, and he tells me to go and borrow vessels. And to pour from this little jar into the empty vessels. But you know what? She had a spiritual mind. And she went out with the sons and borrowed not a few. And she started pouring from that little jar into those. You know what? She created a factory of oil. Yes, she was an oil producer from one little jar. She paid all her debt, and she had money left over to live comfortably. I'm asking you, what have you got in your hand? What did God gift you with? Examine. What do you have in your house? Some of you do not put any value on what God has blessed you with. Start using it. Start exercising it. And start believing God. That's why I said, you have no job. Start your own job. Create your own employment. Start your own company. You can do it when you have a mind that is renewed by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. We serve a God of miracles, folks. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. But he requires one thing. He says, study my word, immerse your mind in my spirit, and get a new way of thinking. And when you do, you're going to see my blessing, you're going to see my power flow. Now I want to pray this prayer for you that David prayed. And if you need that kind of prayer, I want you to walk out of your seat and stand here before we go, and I want to pray for you that God will turn the light of his holy word onto your mind and to your innermost thoughts and bring to the surface the very 
thoughts that are not of him. In other words, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. And you will turn away from wrong thinking, from wrong believing, from wrong perceptions. Can we pray that kind of prayer? Amen. And ask the Lord while you're here. What is the Spirit say to me through this messenger you brought here today, Lord? What is, what are you saying to me today through the mouth of the servant you brought here? And listen, listen to the whisper of the Spirit. Let's pray this prayer. Raise your right hand before God and pray this prayer. I will lead you follow. Okay? Are you with me? Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would turn the light of your holy word by the Spirit and shine. I'm praying now. You listen. And shine upon their hearts, upon their minds. Expose every wicked thought. Bring to surface every thought, every pattern, every perception that is initiated by the evil one. And cause them to turn away from it, to renounce it, to forsake it, and to embrace truth in the name of the Lord Jesus. I bless them today with revelation knowledge. I bless them with the spirit of wisdom. I bless them with an understanding heart, dear Lord. And I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.